Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Experience Creators and another episode. My name is Carolee Maley and I am your host. Today, it is an absolute pleasure to introduce you to Brian Fanzo. Brian is a digital futurist keynote speaker who teaches companies how to leverage current and up and coming technologies to better connect with their audiences and their customers. He has been recognized as a top 25 social business leader of the future by The Economist and is the founder of iSocialFans, which has helped create digital and influencer strategies for some of the world's most iconic brands, such as Adobe, Dell, and UFC. Today, we are gonna talk about how you can bring what you offer to life through virtual experiences. So without further ado, let's dive straight into the interview. Brian, thank you so much for being on the Experience Creators. I am so excited to speak with you. So welcome. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on today. I think the pleasure is all mine. I'm excited to be here and uh, excited to be part of the, you know, the launch and everything you got yeah. going on. And we might be on different sides of the world, but it's uh, kind of fun to connect here. So thanks for having me. Yeah, you are part of the Premier Month. So, you know, you were one of the first people that I thought of is I need this guy on my Premier Month. So honestly, it's an honor to have you. Um, I want to dive in. And, you know, this, this series is all about experiences and how we can bring experiences to life, whether it's a tiny experience of maybe going to the supermarket or a full blown event. So for you, how, um, as a, as a uh, digital future keynote speaker, what for you is the elements that make up an incredible experience? Oh, man, you're starting off with a good question. That's, uh, that's <laughs> a, this is good to go. We got the bar set high. Um, you know, for me, I think that even like understanding what an experience is today, we have to kind of look at it from like a lens of, you know, I think oftentimes and probably your audience, when we hear the word experience, we all have like something, right? There's something we probably picture or visualize. Um, and it, it, for me, like, you know, some, sometimes when I think of it, I think of it as the little moments with my daughters when I'm, when I, when I have like that, like, you know, they, we were, you know, setting up the Christmas tree the other day and like, just like that, like experience of like, you feel, you, you, you feel you're a part of something, you feel like a connection, but you also feel something that's, you know, special and unique. And then when we think about that, you know, in business and, you know, our current life, you know, especially with COVID, I think experiences can be something, you know, small as well as something large, right? Something from an event that you go to and it's, you know, an epic experience to even maybe just a phone call that you had that really connected. So I think for me, when I think about experiences, I think about that connection is probably the thing that probably stands out the most to me. It's like our connection to the moment, our connection to the person, our connection to the people around us. Maybe it's even just our connection, um, you know, to, and this will, this will kind of be a little bit off base, but uh, I'm a Taylor Swift fan, a big Taylor Swift fan. And uh, her new album came out last night at midnight. And so when I woke up this morning, I put it on. And it's funny because her album came out earlier this year. And it was just like, I thought like the perfect, you know, I, I, I remembered the experience I had like I, it hit the third song of her album back in March, and I was like, "Wow!" Like it just it it was a it was a, it was an amazing experience, and so like that to me, you know, it's it's kind of neat that we can you know uh, encompass experiences you know in many different ways. Yeah, and I totally agree with that, especially when you're looking at how can we create impact for somebody, whether it's one person, whether it's you know you speak in front of crazy large large audiences. So can we impact one person in a positive way? You know, me, I worked for Cirque du Soleil for a very long time and they are experts at creating impactful moments and magical moments. And 
a lot of the work that I'm doing right now, it's like, how can we bring that magic and that, that, that meaningfulness back into experiences? So I love that. And especially even you saying like with your daughters that you have so many moments that just connect immediately to an emotion, right? And then right. that then that elicits kind of imagination of before, you know, maybe probably when they were younger, when they were yep. born, even before they were born. So I, I, I love that. Um, what, what do you do? Like you, as I said at the beginning, you are one of the people that I wanted to have on in my premiere month, because this is all about creating incredible experiences. And I believe that you are very good at that. You know, I first got connected to you through your podcast FOMO fans and then after that just continue to be inspired by all the work that you're doing so share with us what what do you do and uh also uh kind of what you're focusing on right now sure so yeah so you know I think we all have like unique paths to where we're at I love the Cirque du Soleil you know transition and that's such an experience right and yeah. for me like you know I um I, I graduate I played hockey in college uh, graduated college couldn't really get a job in my profession um, and then I finally got one, but it was uh, in cybersecurity, which is not what I went to. I went to school for computer science, but it was in cybersecurity for the U.S. government. And um, and I remember, you know, I, I was actually getting milk in a grocery store line when someone uh, offered me the job just based on the fraternity letters that I was wearing. Wow. Um, and I, I had to take a pay cut at the time to get it. And I ended up working there for almost 10 years, a little over nine years. Um, and I grew a big, uh, a large team. Uh, we were in charge of training and development um, at all of the U.S. military bases around the world. So at the time, um, I had been to 54 countries. I've now been to 77 countries um, total. And so a lot of travel, a lot of, you know, I would go to these different countries, work with military, work with local um, to deploy these different software. Uh, but for me, like so much of what I like loved was helping people change and embrace new technology, whatever it might be. Um, after I left that, I, I took on what I considered my dream job which was uh, a technology evangelist, uh, which is just really a fancy way of saying someone that loves helping a brand talk about what they do without selling or marketing. Really, that's what uh, my job was. It was modeled after uh, Guy Kawasaki and what he did at Apple and his like being Steve Jobs' right hand. Uh, and funny enough, after two years of that job, a lot of people would come to me and say, Brian, you, you know, you, your title is a technology evangelist, but you help us remove more technology than we deploy. You help us kind of reassess the technology. And so uh, I left that uh, a little over six years ago and I've been on my own uh, now for six years. And really that's what I do now. I try to help people, uh, audiences, events, uh, businesses, leaders, find the synergy between technology and humanity. And that might sound a little fluffy, but you know, where, that, where that comes into place is, you know, right now has been an interesting one, right? You know, my whole business, uh, or not my whole business, majority of my business was keynote speaking. And I, you know, March, all of that came um, to a complete halt. I lost um, 18 speaking gigs and six clients uh, in one week. Uh, definitely not something I planned on. I think we all had our own like, you know, journey through that COVID. Um, and for me, you know, I had a couple down weeks of like, what do I do? How am I gonna make this work? And then I really focused on virtual and said, what can I, what are the experiences I can create? I already, you know, create a lot of video. I host two podcasts. And uh, I've kind of gone all in on virtual and really it's not, you know, creating a, a webinar or a Zoom. Um, it's more about, okay, how can we change? How can we find the synergy uh, between all of this virtual technology and the humanity, the, the experiences that we're now missing out on when we don't have events? You know, I've, I've traveled uh, since 2004, I've traveled 40 plus weeks every year. 
this year I will have traveled maybe 10 weeks total. Um, so it's been a culture shock for me. And um, although I, and I, I, you know, because my life has always been travel, I've always loved that. But so for now, you know, right now, you know, some brands bring me in to help them cope with the pivoting and the change. Some want me to better understand this younger generation because they've been putting off wanting to understand them and now they're stuck in this virtual uh, Zoom world. And then I think the other piece of what I'm doing right now, a lot of what I'm doing is, you know, helping us reassess what like this hybrid future looks like. Because I think for many people, we try to take an offline experience and we put it online. And when we do, it fails, it fails miserably because nothing we do online will ever replace what we do offline. I think that's something really important to remember. And I'm someone that loves social media, loves video, all in on virtual, but I never have like the, the, the you know, inclination that, okay, what I'm doing here will replace the idea of us meeting in person, right? I, I love that we're on, we're on Zoom and you're you know, across the, uh, a world, but our ability to sit down in a coffee shop and have that connection can't be replaced virtually. But we can do things to like, you know, what I like to say is remove the mechanics of what we do offline and reposition it online. And so some of the idea of like, okay, if there, you have a great experience at a coffee shop, it's not the fact that you're outside, you have a beautiful place around you and it's great coffee. It's okay, we're relaxed, it's comfortable. We have a conversation, we're not marketing each other, right? We're looking at each other's eyes, we're committing to the conversation, right? A lot of virtual, the reason I believe a lot of virtual is rough and, and disconnected is because we don't commit to it. Like when we go to a physical event, we don't, you know, we don't book phone calls. We don't go, you know, we don't, we don't double book ourselves. We're, we're all in. And yet when we go to virtual, we're like, oh, I'll attend the webinar. I'll do my email. I'll, you know, look at my phone. I'll, you know, change over the laundry, you know, and we have all of those things. And so I think when I, what I'm really focused on right now is helping us, you know, assess how we can take those offline experiences remove the mechanics and create hopefully something unique online that will, will kind of grow into this hybrid future. When you were talking about the coffee shop example, the first thing I thought of was the smell, that amazing smell of coffee. It's, it's almost like if you could create an experience where you sent everyone a little pack, some kind of little pack before the event, and then they just put yes. it on their desk and they just had whiffs of, you know, coffee coming uh, every five minutes or so. I mean, it's so you funny were... you say that. So Adobe, I, I'm, I'm an Adobe brand ambassador and they did a brand ambassador retreat virtual and they actually sent us an entire box, I mean, a giant box. Adobe does everything like very design focused because it's Adobe. Um, and you open the box and it had numbers on it. And we opened the numbers together, everyone on, this, on the oh. call. And each one, one was coffee and we all, we all started the coffee at the same time. So we all had that, oh. that feel. The next one was like this light. We all turned the light. It was like a, a light to put above your web camera. We all put the light on at the same time. And we all kind of like, it, and it was, it was as close to that, like, wait, we're, 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 we're kind of experiencing it together because I, I love that you brought it there because I think that's the number one thing missing right now. I, you know, I call it co-consumption or co-experience. Like when we, you know, even going to the movies, we don't go to the movies now, like, just being able to sit around people that laugh when you laugh, right? Like I joke, you know, I have my daughters, uh, you know, 50-50 uh, with their mom. And when I don't have my kids, 
you know, I watch a lot of TV. I love TV, but I would kill just for someone to watch TV with me, right? Like just sit on the couch with me, right? It's, it's that co-consumption. And so doing things like sending coffee and having that like same aroma and, and that, that's, that's where I think we can think outside the box and really, you know, create something special in these times. I love that term co-consumption. You know, when I worked at Cirque du Soleil, I, I watched the shows all the time, maybe not the entire show, but I would always jump in and watch little bits and pieces. And I found every time that I would get complacent or I'd get a bit like, oh, I'm super over this. I would go in and stand in the big top and I wouldn't watch the show necessarily because of the amount of times that I've seen it, but I would watch the audience and I would watch yes. the reaction. And I would, you know, even hearing, especially kids laughing at certain moments and it, it actually brought a, an entire new wave of energy to me. And it's something that I then consciously would do time and time again for that exact reason. You are you are watching these people that are sharing an experience together and, and, and you're in that same environment. It's very different if I was just to sit there and watch it by myself, it, it just wouldn't be the same, you know? So yeah, I love that, that idea about co-consumption. That's so, you know, I tell you what, I think every, if, if everyone could do that right now, right? Just think about that. Like if you're, you know, if you're feeling mundane or run down or like, oh my goodness, I'm doing the same thing over and over again, like just experience it from the eyes of someone that you're, you know, you're changing their life or maybe you, right. you know, even like a small business owner, right? Like rather than looking at it from behind the counter, look at it. The next person comes in the front door, walk with them as they, they go to the, you know, the different things and see the things that you have set up. Like, I love that you did that. Like that, um, like that to me is the, like the epitome of how we have to continue to stay motivated and inspired. It's not often by us doing the same thing over and over again. It's right. remembering that like first time and like, I, mean, I remember my very first Circus LA show. Like I, I remember being so, and funny enough, like I was, I wasn't dragged to it, but I was kind of like, oh, I guess I'll go. Right. And I remember like within minutes, the, um, the two people that I was with, they looked over and like, Brian, you're like, you're captivated. And I was like, I, I completely underestimated what this was. Right. And, and I, and I now been uh, to three total. And to me, that was such a, it's such a perfect ex example of like, I, I mean, I remember being like, oh, of course I'll go, sure. And we were pre-drinking and I, I, I kind of was just like passing by. And when I left, I talked about it for months, right? And like, that is that, like that magic of an experience. Yeah, absolutely. And and whenever I would watch a show, I always knew who were the, the first timers because their <laughs> eyes were just, like the minute, it, it, it actually, it, the magic happens before the show even starts for the most part because there's a lot of animation in the crowd yes. but I could always pick up the people who had never seen it before and I would love having conversations with them to, to kind of get their their reaction um and I love that idea of really looking at it through the guest eyes you know I have a short um a little short course a seven day challenge and it's it's really about how to improve the experience that you offer and it really goes through each stage of the guest journey within your brand and or within your experience and I the reason I created that is because I truly believe that there's not enough attention on the actual guest and how they how they actually come to your experience, whether it's virtual, virtual or, or physical, how they actually get there, where have they come from, what's their motivation for being there, and, and what do they even want out of this? Oftentimes we just focus on that main event, you know, and, and we kind of forget all those little touch points that come along the way. Yet those are the opportunities where we can create defining moments. It's not always about yes. that that big that big like impactful expensive moment in the experience. It's every single moment along the way. 
So from your point of view, especially as you've done a lot of virtual work now and, and kind of really stepped into that space as a, for me anyway, as like a virtual expert in terms of experiences, if we are really looking through the eyes of our guests, what's a couple of things that, you know, if I was a brand and I really wanted to bring my experience virtual and I really wanted to focus on the guests, like what's a couple of strategies that I could potentially begin to implement or, or get curious about if I really wanted to create something virtual? Well, first of all, I love the way you position that. And that is, I mean, so my, my presentation I've, I've given probably the longest for the longest amount of time is called Think Like a Fan. And my last name is Fanzo. It was like the yeah. perfect play on my last name being a marketer. And funny enough, like I gave that keynote maybe 150 times on stage. Like I've given it by far the most keynote I've given. But over the last three years, when I pitched that, most people are like, oh, we got that down. We understand that. Uh, and, and, my, and the funny thing is they'll say, I got that down, but we're focusing on empathy. And I'm all, and, and that like, it really unnerves me a bit because right. to be empathetic, we must be able to feel what others feel. We must be able to walk in the shoes of what others are, are experiencing. And yet when we, we kind of like dismiss this idea of looking at it through the eyes of the audience and that it, we, we, we can never be empathetic. Like, I, I really feel like empathy, and this is like my like soapbox in a weird way is like, I do not want empathy to become a buzzword within marketing. Like that really scares me because some of the words like transparency and authenticity, they were buzzwords for a while. And I think we've, we've merged now to understand their value. But I, I really believe in that importance and value of empathy, especially in the world today. But if you're not starting by committing to listening, to committing to experiencing how the audience is viewing things, where they came from, their, their journey to get to become who you know your customer, you'll never be able to be empathetic. And so it, um, when you position that like from this virtual perspective, I mean, that's where I think we start. I think most virtual events suck, in my opinion, right. when they just try to take something like, hey, we had a four-day event, let's throw it online. Or, hey, it doesn't cost any money for a webinar, let's just do a three-hour webinar and bring in six, bring in six speakers and, and let's do it. And that's such a dismiss. And I think, first of all, it doesn't respect the audience's time. It's not built with a strategy that makes a lot of sense. And so for me, when I look at virtual, what I try to ask people is like, what are you, what does success look like? What are you trying to achieve? And sometimes they'll be like, well, we want to grow like our event numbers. Or we want to, we don't want people to not show up to our next offline event. I'm like, well, that's not success. Like that's something you're trying to like put a bandaid on, but like, what is it like truly? And, and oftentimes what I try to break this down to is like, and I, and I use the term before, like removing the mechanics. And that's really what removing the mechanics means is like, okay, if, if it's the coffee shop, like the coffee shop, yes, the aroma, but like what, what about the coffee shop made you, made it easier for you to sell or create a relationship than what we do online? And, and it's like those things that I said, okay, it's the, you know, committed attention, right? It's the um, ability for us to talk about things that aren't marketing and selling. It's our ability to build trust in like a truly authentic conversation. Okay. Those three things. Now, how do we position them virtually in a way that still conveys the same messages? And so I think we, we, we're right now we're doing a lot of things like, oh, I can do a Zoom, I might as well, right? And we just, everything's like Zoom. And I, and I make the joke, like, I don't think we have Zoom fatigue any more than we had meeting fatigue in the office, right? Like yes. how many meetings did you go to? And you're like, this could have been done in an email or a phone call. Like we did not need an eight person meeting. Well, the same thing happens with Zoom. Like you're getting on a Zoom call. I, I mean, I had one a month ago and it's still like, they, we literally, eight of us got on the Zoom call and the entire call was, Brian, we just wanted to say thank you for doing business with us. And I was like, 
All right, cool. So like, that's all we wanted to do. Like it was a minute and a half in Zoom. And I was like, you could have sent me, I mean, if, if they wanted to make it personal, they could have sent me a video in email, yes. which would have been, you know, part, but like, and I, and so when I look at virtual, I look at the experiences we're at today, you know, I still feel like we have event professionals trying to save their jobs and their industry, which I respect. I'm in that space. And then we have a whole other group that is like thrown into virtual to be like, I need sales leads. I need people to sign up for my newsletter. I need whatever, whatever those things are. But I think the people in the middle that are like, how do I create an experience in a world that only allows us to connect virtually are the ones that are succeed. So I think throw out the offline event, throw out the sales marketing quota you're trying to achieve and really focus on that. Okay. What is something I can provide the audience? And it could be a 30 minute webinar. It could be, it could be at six hours. Uh, I I've done some really long sessions that I feel are really valuable, but I think that's a big, big piece of it. The other part of it is I think about when, when, you know, when we go to an offline event, why is the event five days, right? It's because you have a lot of things you want to convey and you don't want people to fly in and fly out, right? Like, hey, they're in there. Let's fly in. Let's knock it out. Well, virtually that's not the case, right? Like there is no reason for something to have to be back-to-back days virtually. And I, and, I, and this is something like, you know, when I, when I say this, a lot of the event people are like, you know, that, that's completely, that's crazy. Like what do you, because like today as consumers, we have the power, right? Like we have, we want, we, we get to decide when we watch something, where we watch something, how we watch something, how long we watch something, right? And like, you know, look at Netflix and even, you know, Uber, and then we have food, even like, I mean, the, the, I think it's funny, like the album came out this morning and I was laughing because I remember being like, you had to listen to it on the radio and then you had to go buy the, like, it, like it was, it was a much more like we were at the mercy of the artist and the album. And here, like, I, I mean, it, it was 10 a.m. I already listened to the full album that came out at midnight, right? And like, and so I guess like where I'm trying to kind of put that, the wrap around this is don't think about it as how many days or how many hours, but okay, what is that experience I'm gonna create? And what, how much commitment do I need from my audience to deliver that? And if I deliver that, the next thing I do, they're gonna show up, right? Like that's what people tell me like, Brian, I need to do back to back so they continue to show up. Well, that's the reason you're saying that is because you believe what you're providing is not good enough for them to remember next week, next month. And so that's really where I focus a lot right now. I also think we're missing, you know, we have, we have virtual event that focuses on the content and forgets the customer. We have ones that focus on the customer and forget to include the speaker. And so, I mean, a lot of speakers are horrible on video. I mean, some of my, two of my favorite speakers in the world, they're just not very good on video, right? They, 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 they've been doing it so well on stages, they just can't uh, convey that. And so when we're building out this virtual experience, we have to think about it from all sides. I call it a 360 degree view. And that is scary. And yes, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times people tell me, Brian, virtual is great because it's cheaper and easier. Well, it's cheaper and easier to put on something crappy and just throw it up and let people, you're like, oh, I did it, check a box. But if you truly wanna create something memorable and worth someone's time and build that relationship and that experience that moves your business needle, it's actually probably more work. It's actually probably more planning. But in my opinion, the, the end result is greater because you have more data, more connection. And, and, I, and I think when you're thinking about it, like this is probably the place where I start is that I believe every business is in the business of trust, plain and simple, building trust, maintaining trust and scaling trust in some form or fashion. That's what you're doing. There's some businesses where it's, you know, Hey, I need this product and it's price point, you know, comparison, but for the most part, it's a trust game. 
And I think when we're looking at virtual, we have to really ask ourselves, what, how am I building trust? How am I maintaining trust? How am I scaling trust with this experience? And if I'm not, I probably shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, and when and and a physical experience, you you have the almost an ease of of letting people be impacted and connect quite easily, right? Because you're yep. in the same room, and and it's really the onus is on them a lot of the time to make that event what they want it to be. Whereas virtual, you you do have that physical barrier of the screen of not being in the same room. And again, like you're saying, instead of just checking that box, again, it goes back to how do we want them to feel? So when, when they finish this event, how, how, do we want them, how do we want them to be impacted? And that is going to be our biggest challenge because now we're, you know, they're sitting at their computer desk, they've got, you know, many distractions around them and they're not potentially, like you mentioned, not fully present in the, in the event itself. Um, yeah, I, and that's like, you know, like, because serendipity just doesn't exist online, right? Yes. Like we can't have that. And like, as, a, as an event, and, and this is such a great point that, and, and I love the way you said that because part of it is like, as an event, you're like, put the right people in the room, create the right ambiance, give them the right amount of freedom, you know, the right amount of control and the magic will happen, right? Virtual, it's the op, it's like, you, you can put everyone in the right room. And if you're not facilitating connection or conversation, it's, it's going to be disconnected. It's going to feel, you know, and, I, and that's so important. I'm, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you kind of brought that back up. Yeah, and how, how to start the experience even before they, yes. they, you know, they open up that Zoom link, all right? That, that's part of it. Like you said with Adobe sending you that box, like it really starts with, with before that. I also love your, uh, what you said about, uh, you know, the album and the fact that you can listen to it whenever you want. One of my biggest memories in terms of music growing up was, we had a radio station in Australia called Rage and, you know, in the evenings it counts down and I used to stay up so late till like nine o'clock or something. And I would wait for the number one so I could press record on my tape <laughs> recorder. And I would get so angry when the, when the radio host would talk at the oh. beginning, you know, they kind of come in and talk or at the end, I'd be like, yeah. no, like this, this is my work. I've been waiting like hours to press record and they're still talking like throughout the little intro of the song. I, I just, I just, that just came to me then. It was, oh. like, um, yeah, I tell you what, and you telling that, like that nostalgia, just brought me the experience that I remember doing the same thing. Like I remember like one eye open looking for the record button <laughs> to make sure I hit record, right? And, like it was on my like my nightstand or somewhere. I'm like, I just need to record this stuff, this song. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and like right there, like, I mean, we can say like, oh, kids have it easy today, right? Like, but I think like, it's, it's not about like easy. It's like, hey, we all wanted stuff on demand. We like, right. we are, uh, you know, that's what we all wanted. But now that we have it, it's given like a lot of the control to the consumer. And like, right. when you think about that from the radio DJ, like he had the ability to not only like change how we were experiencing that song, but like he got to decide how long he talked, how long interrupted right. what we were waiting for, right? And like right now, we, we as the consumer gets to decide all of that. Right. And I think now it puts a lot of the onus on the other side, but I love that you brought that up. Cause it, like, as soon as you were saying that, I was like, I, I can picture, like, I know that my, my, my tape recorder was yellow. Like, I remember, <laughs> like, I can picture where it sat on my, on my bed. I even know the house that I was living in at the time. Like, that, that there is something magic about those like shared experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, I want, to, I want to do a really practical example here. So let's say that I'm a chef. I, I, you know, I've cooked in restaurants around the world and I've transitioned out of restaurant. And now uh, let's say I've been doing it for a year or two where I've actually 
cooked private dinners, private five-star dinners for small groups of people that would come um, to my, to wherever, let's say, let's say my house, I had a, I had a great kitchen and they would come and have these beautiful experiences. Obviously 2020, you know, I can't do that anymore. Nobody's coming to my house at all. Um, and what I've seen personally, there's just a trend for chefs uh, or anyone, you know, tour providers that provide food tours around the city. The, the go-to experience virtually is a cooking is like a cooking class, like a live cooking class. So I want to step away from that because yep. that that's that's all. When you look at uh, Airbnb virtual experiences, yep. oh, cooking yeah. is just, you, you know, it, it fills up the spaces. So let's say that, that that's my position uh, and I want to do something that's not cooking, but I, I, I mean, cooking focus, but not a cooking class but I really want to create some kind of magic in an experience. Can you think of anything off the top of your head from a virtual point of view that I may be able to connect with my, my audience? And I think that's one of the biggest things is stay connected to the audience yes. that I have, because I think we've all, we all have examples of brands or individuals that we've been connected to that have just completely kind of disappeared and in, in this time. So does anything spring to mind of, of oh, something yes. that I could do as a chef? Love the chef example because the perfect example of, in my opinion, the lazy transition to virtual is the cooking course, the cooking yeah. class. Because the funny thing about that is the reason you want a chef to come into your house or you go to a chef's house and have a private dinner is you want them to control and take over your experience. Right. A cooking class is like, hey, I want you to do the things and I'm going to direct you how to do it. Yeah. Like, it's like, wait a second, like you're, you're telling me that this is the same thing. And I understand like the, the leap that we make there. But when I look at that, look at it, this is where we strip the mechanics out and we think, okay, well, I can't come in their house and maybe I can't cook all of the things for them, right? But what can I do around that, right? And, and part of that, you know, a great chef is not only, like you said, even with Circus LA, right? It's the experience before the first taste, right? It's understanding the ingredients, it's understanding where they came from. It's even helping you understand how to lay things out, understanding why these processes exist in your in your cooking or in your, you know, in that kind of shared um, experience. And then there's also this, there's a there's a moment, there's an element of that that experience of a chef coming into your ha house that they know when to interrupt, they know when to guide you through your 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 course. They also know when to let you experience it right and like when you said or when you set this up you said like that maintaining that connection i think the thing with virtual that is so important is knowing when to connect and when to just be there and allow it to kind of simmer and exist right use the use a cooking term there but like that that to me is part of the, the beauty and so when i think about this i think it also comes down it's more than just you know doing a cooking course it's a cooking class it's everything from maybe i could guide someone to you know, um, purchasing the ingredients online and things that they could think about from like that side of the house, or even okay, hey, when you're setting yourself up and you're cooking these, you know, you're this experience for your your family and friends. You know, there's also like, okay, do people get to go bags right when they when they leave? Right? Can they take some of the food? Maybe it's the dessert they get. Okay, maybe rather than helping them do all of these things, maybe it's them. You're focusing on them. Okay, let's set something the experience up. So that the thing at the end, which might be the dessert or the wine or the coffee is something unique, right? Like maybe it's a unique recipe. Maybe it's a unique way of doing something that they've never thought of, right? Or even maybe as you're looking at this whole experience, maybe you're guiding someone through, but you're, you're not teaching them how to do it. 
you're just, you're kind of like giving them, okay, I understand that you, you know, you boiled your pasta in, you know, you put your pasta in the water after it was boiling. I would have done it, I would do it this way, right? Like, um, it's, it's, it's that merging of like coaching and like helping people kind of see that journey. And I think you can do that in many different ways. And I also think part of what we can look at this in is like, what can we help people do beyond the physical piece of cooking, right? Or that physical piece of, you know, an in-house um, dining experience. And so maybe it's, hey, not just a cooking class, but I'm gonna bring, someone's gonna be with me that's gonna provide the entertainment. Someone's gonna be with me that's gonna um, discuss some interesting facts. We're also gonna have someone included in this experience that knows how to, to network and break, you know, the silence that happens sometimes at a dinner table, right? right so I, I, cause I think I, I, there's an event that I've been coaching for um, this year and they did, they had, so they have cooking nights. Um, they had a magician, they have a ukulele player that comes in one night and play a really cool, like they do really unique things, but everything is disconnected, right? And, um, right. and, and because it's disconnected, everything feels kind of like, okay, I went and did this, I went and did that. But really like a dinner, dinner party at someone, you know, a chef's house, I want that all to be facilitated like an orchestra perfectly for me. And I think as a chef, maybe your job ends up being less about coordinating and helping them cook the food and more about coordinating that entire experience that you normally do. It just kind of happens on its own. And so I, I think that would be, I think the coordination from like, okay, I'm, we're going to have, I'm going to help you select the music that you're going to have while you're eating your food, right? I'm going to, I'm going to help you think about like, even like how you're preparing things, how you're, you know, how you're, what are you doing with things afterwards? Maybe even everything from um, the thank you card that you send to the guests after a dinner party, right? Like, and it, it sounds crazy for a chef. It's like, wait a second, like, that's not my job. And it's certainly not your job to deliver that. But if you think about that experience that you already deliver, you're already helping them see that, right? Like, why do you, you know, bring a special packaging for that dessert for every person to take home? It's not because you're just like kind. You're like, you know that if everybody takes a piece of that special dinner home, the experience goes home with them. They remember that, right? And so I think we can really embody that and kind of get creative with what we're doing. That's exactly right. And, and, and exactly like you said, get creative and think about all the elements that naturally happen at a dinner party that you now have to facilitate. And one example that I will add to your suggestion that I just thought of then, I didn't think of this before, but maybe even starting with posing them a question of what, what do you love about food? What is it that you love about food? Like when you think about your favorite meal, like what are the memories come up? You know, again, we're thinking about how can we impact our guests and how do we want them to feel? They, in if, if you know, this was not a virtual experience, why did they come? Why did they yes. book with me? It's because they probably really love food and they right. love to be cooked for and they love to have a five-star experience. So why not explore that at the beginning of the experience? So not only for you to get a deeper understanding of your guests, but for also them to remember, oh yeah, that's right. The magic, yes. that's right. Like I kind of forgot about that. You know, I forgot about that in the thought of, oh, I have to go groceries and get all these things so I could make this meal that I really want someone to be cooking for me. Right. So, yeah. yeah. You could even flip that on its head, right? The person... I mean, a majority of people are gonna be like foodies, right? And there, but there's gonna be some people that just hate cooking, right? Like, yeah. let's just face it. Like, <laughs> I, I go to a dining experience because I hate cooking. Like, it's not me, right. but I love cooking. But like, but like, that's also the person you have to address, right? And like, yes. that person's gonna hate a cooking course. Like, no matter how great that cooking course is, they're gonna hate it, right? Like, and even if it's like very creative, like, but that person would love 
if you told them to send a picture of their cabinets or their refrigerator ahead of time, and you told them, you don't have to buy a thing. I'm going to send a box and it's going to be complimentary to what you already have. Well, now you're removing that, like one of those pain points of like, I didn't want to go shopping or figure out what to cook. Right. Like, I love that you, cause I, that, that to me is like such a great like example of how we can rethink things. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be something wild and, you know, crazy, you know, something that we've never would imagine. But if we're willing to do that, it keeps that connection to what that audience was actually you know, looking for with that experience. Yeah. And it goes back to what I was saying before in the, in, in the sense of we want to try and create as many opportunities for a defining moment as possible. And we don't know what that defining moment will be for each individual guest. And chances are, it's going to be very varied, right? So we have yes. to, we, as the host, as the, the, the business owner, as the leader, we have to create the opportunity for that to then flourish kind of on its own. Um, I would love to, okay, I would love to just say I'm a total beginner. I don't know anything about tech and I just need a couple of bits and pieces to really to really start doing things virtual. What's a couple of, of really basic tech tips that you can give for, for creators that really wanna go kind of online and, and try virtual for maybe the first time, maybe they've never done it before? So I think the first thing is, uh, you know, my, 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 my other podcast is press the damn button, right? Like the thing about virtual and video as a whole is it's scary. It's awkward at first. It's weird. Nobody's comfortable when they start. And so like my first advice always is like, whatever gear you have right now is perfect. Like, right. I don't care. I don't even know what gear you have. Whatever you have is perfect because you, you have to start somewhere and you have to get used to it. But that's kind of like the easy way out. Like, I think Audio is always, I think, the place you have to get comfortable with first, right? So, you know, if you're wearing headphones, getting comfortable wearing headphones. Um, you know, for me, one of the big things is having a microphone that's not connected to me and one that I can, I'm very, I, I talk with my hands, I'm Italian, right? I have like that, that connection. So I needed a microphone that, that allows that to happen. But I also, I don't like to wear headphones, just my personal preference. So I needed a microphone that could tune out the speaker so I can still listen to you and talk and there's not an echo, right? And so like the microphone I, I'm using, it, I think it's $110 US. Not, I, I mean, I have, a, I have an $800 microphone that's literally sitting on the other side of my desk. I don't even use it very much compared to using this one because it allows me to be my most comfortable self and deliver my passion, my emotion. So of course the audio I think is important. If you have AirPods or you know, Apple headphones, great place to start because now you're at least being able to control some of that environment. Right. And, you know, and then the second one out there, you know, lighting is important. And we talked about a pre-show, right? Like lighting doesn't have to be an expensive ring light or a light that you buy from a studio. And, and I will say like, funny enough, like the lights that I have here in my studio, um, I've, I've been sent thousand dollar LED panels. The lights that I'm using are $49 US. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, but they're, they're just box lights that plug in, which work great. But when I travel, oftentimes what I do is I just take the lampshade off of a, uh, the lamp in the hotel room, reposition it behind my camera, and then I turn the lampshade so it kind of redirects the light kind of in a cone direction towards me. Right. So like that lighting is important. You know, and then you know, trying to get beyond um, the camera that you have. I, I think right now, you know, it's great to say that, but in 2020, um, finding a web camera is maybe one of the hardest things to find. Like no one has them for sale right now. And I, I worked with Logitech in the past and even I couldn't even get one of them to send one to my client over in Europe because they were just sold out. But you know, that to me that you know, just kind of each one of those things. But I think the basics are 
a microphone that you're comfortable, um, good lighting, and then trying to get you know a decent camera that allows you to kind of pick up some of that ambiance around you. Uh, and I think that's also something to, to think about too, depending on what you're delivering. Like for me, like um, when I present virtually, I'm standing, I'm always standing. So I have a, a standing desk, my, my, my camera can sit in standing. And the reason is, is because it's, it's how I deliver my keynotes on stage. It's how I'm most comfortable. Right. And so the challenge I give to everyone, and this is the challenge um, for people that I coach, everything that I'm doing, is you have to set up your environment virtually that is perfect for you. Not for me, not for anyone else, right? Like if you like sitting, but you don't like having the back of your chair because you're afraid you're gonna relax, you're gonna lean back, get a chair that doesn't have a back, right? If you like having like a clean space so you can set your hands, that's a good one. For me, sometimes, I, cause I have ADHD, sometimes I can get a little bit like out of control. So funny enough, like I actually set myself up to where I'm away from my desk. So I can't even put my hands on my desk so that I'm setting up the environment for me to be best. And so I think, the tech is important, but it's, I think more important is creating that environment, right? Like even like, Hey, let's bring the laptop up to eye level and you put a couple of books underneath it. Right. I, uh, if people follow me on Instagram uh, over there at iSocialFans, like I took, I was, um, I was at a hotel in Cabo um, a couple months ago. It was my first in-person event in a long time. Um, but I was doing a virtual talk while I was there and I literally took their desk. I took the luggage rack from the closet I then took books and laid it out across the luggage rack and I put my laptop on top of it. And like, I delivered a talk, a 45 minute talk and I got maybe the best reviews I've got all year from that talk. And it was no special lighting. I had my AirPods in my ear. So like total equipment was laptop and AirPods. Literally laptop, AirPods, I moved a lamp behind. I use a luggage rack to put it up. But it, the, the reason I use that as an example is I created the environment where I was comfortable, right? I was standing. I was able to stand back far enough away because I had the AirPods, I was wireless, so I could still use my hands and I was still able to deliver the experience that I was you know, set out to achieve. So yeah, focus on the environment. And it doesn't mean you have to have a studio, right? Like maybe it's in your master bedroom, but maybe it's the, the, the space is you know, a window or maybe it's a space where I needed my, my desk turned a different way so that I feel like this area is mine. Like whatever it is, focus on like that environment and setting up your own environment. I love that. And I recently ran a leadership workshop on a retreat, virtually, obviously, and I was doing it sitting down. I didn't even think about, I didn't even think about it, but I'm used to doing it, walking around the room and interacting and live and using my hands. And the minute I started, I was like, oh my gosh, why am I sitting down? Why did I didn't even think of this? And now I know if I was to repeat that, that actually I, I am repeating it in an upcoming workshop series, but I know that I need to be standing because that style of presentation that I did, it, it, it flows best when I'm kind of standing and I can move a little bit. So exactly to your point. And I also remember, I would probably add to that as well, just practice a little bit. The best way yes. for me, like Instagram lives, they come and go in a hot second, right? And I now I do an Instagram live every Sunday night, six o'clock uh, European time. And the first one I did, oh my goodness, I, I could feel like sweat drifting. I was so nervous. Like I, I, 
I kept like stuttering over my words. I think it lasted about two minutes. And then I was like, okay, and all right, see you later, everyone. And I, I was, it was horrible. And now I've done that about 20 times and now I feel a lot more comfortable doing it. So, you know, Instagram is a perfect example of, of, of a platform that, especially stories that you can do it and it will go away. So you can practice, but then you don't, it doesn't have to live on forever, you know, so. Yes, I, I've done over 3,500 live streams and I am, Every time for live streaming to me is that practice. It's the, I get to test my eye contact. I get to test my content, right? If like all of a sudden no one that's watching like made a comment, okay, but is it not relating, right? But it's also getting comfortable, right? And that's where, you know, press the damn button for me has always been about like testing and tweaking as you go because you won't know what works until you try it. And we have like this weird idea that either has to be perfect before we try it or you know, we have to try it once we, we're ready, right? And like, if you're waiting to be ready or waiting to be perfect, you're just never gonna try it. And you're gonna be like, keep putting it off, keep making excuses. So I love that. And you know, and another thing you said there, which I think often goes overlooked, find a way to be consistent with your audience because that consistency not only is great for your audience, but it puts the onus on you. You just said, you know, every Sunday night you're doing a live, right? Like now, if I'm a consumer, I know, I don't have to know anything about you. I just know I can tune in on Sunday nights. Mm -hmm. I also know you're pretty trustworthy because you're doing something on a regular basis and giving away free content or free information. That is so overlooked in this journey where people are wanting to, you know, I want an audience. I want to build a community. I want influence. I want, you know, but I think that consistency matched with your ability to, to kind of learn as you go. I mean, I, my first, thousand videos like I, I don't want people to go back and watch right because like, yeah. I, I thought I already talked fast but I talked fast and I went places that didn't make any sense right and then I not only did I talk fast but I like my stutter was a little bit more and then like I would move in and out from the microphone and like not realize how bad that sounded for my audience right and, like and I think that's kind of the beauty of and I will I will say this too for those that are still not convinced right now like right now when you're listening to this podcast and listening to this entire experience right now is the time to try it because we are very forgiving to people right now trying this whole virtual online thing, right? Like, but two years from now, when people are like, okay, hey, remember 2020, 2021, whenever like we we were we realized that like virtual and video isn't going away, like that's when you should have tested this, right? Like, you know, 2023, 2024, we're gonna expect a higher quality level. Right now, people, I mean, it's why TikTok is amazing because. TikTok, although there's trolls and there's hate, and I'm not, I'm not one that's oblivious to that, but there are so many people that are just real and authentic. And I interviewed over, I interviewed 25 creators on TikTok that were from professions that you never would have imagined, right? So they were nurses, stay-at-home moms, law, lawyers, um, uh, police officers. I interviewed, they all had a million followers or more on TikTok. And one of the things that I loved was the, the one of the common themes was, I'm not a creator, I'm not like an influencer, but I've always had a story to share. And TikTok allowed me to get comfortable on video without having to use my voice, because you can use songs. Then I got comfortable on video, then I started to introduce my voice. Well, then I, once I realized my voice mattered, I started to test different topics. Then I realized that this topic on being, you know, a stay-at-home mom that doesn't have mom guilt was something that re related. And, and like listening to that, it's that's the power where we're living at right now, is that if you're willing to put it out there, you can lean into what works as you kind of discover it. And that's what these TikTok creators are doing that are making, you know, high six figures of income off of influencer work. 
And all it was was, hey, I'm gonna try this out. And I think you know, for everyone that's out there, I think that's partly what this is all about, right? Try it out, test, tweak, and then just kind of lean into what works. Yeah, I, I mean, being able to to test it out and then being very aware of of how it went and then what you need to do to change and and also asking for feedback as as well, right? Like asking the people that you're interacting with, hey, how was that? Is there any improvements that you would like to make? I love that. Um, if people want to work with you, if they want to connect with you, if they want to hire your, you know, they have no idea about virtual and they just need someone to come in and, and guide them and, and advise them. Um, what's, what's their first steps? How are they reaching out with you uh, to you? So, you know, I think one of the big things, you know, that's out there right now, for me, it's about rising, you know, uh, the tide for all of us to kind of improve. So I created a YouTube channel um, in back in March that I'm just creating video on. Uh, and so the YouTube channel is Brian Fanzo, my first name, last name, VX, which stands for virtual experience. So VX, so Brian Fanzo VX. Um, there's about 30 videos or so up there right now. And I cover everything from creating an interactive presentation to what a virtual event is. I also talk about some of the technology. So that would be the first place. And it's all free. There's no gated. I'm not pitching anything there. Uh, you know, and then brianfanzo.com is my website where um, all focus on virtual and me speaking. Uh, a lot of the content there, you know, is, is on that same topic. I have a blog, of course, my two podcasts. Um, and, yeah, and I would say, you know, like for me, the, the other piece of this, I'm launching uh, my, my company is iSocialFans, which is the handle that I'm mostly known for. Um, I'm turning that website, that community into a much more like a, a more media hub than it is more like right now it's more of my business and I'm turning it much more into a media hub. And by the, by the start of 2021, um, it'll be focused on um, connecting you with the people that make up different aspects. So I'm going to have agencies, I'm going to have event production companies, um, videographers, uh, you know, let's say graphic designers, uh, ghost writers. We're going to have, I'm going to have all their information, like your ability to go there and say, okay, this is what I want to create and find kind of people that they might not be the best, but they're going to be people that I've worked with that I trust. So um, keep an eye on that, you know, I social fans. Um, and I'm, uh, actually today, uh, while we're recording it, so it's not the day that people are listening, but um, I'm FOMO fans is coming back out on a weekly basis. So I'm, I'm kicking that podcast. I took a little bit of a hi hiatus during COVID um, and that, that podcast is going to come out again, full steam ahead. So FOMO fans with a Z or a Z um, at the end uh, would be the podcast to check out. I love that podcast and I listened to it religiously for like a good couple of months. Like it was just your voice in my head continuously. And I, man, I learned so, so much. So um, yeah, for anyone uh, that is a great podcast to check out. Um, Brian, thank you so much for this amazing conversation around virtual experiences. And thank you for being an incredible experience creator. Thank you for having me. Congrats on the launch. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for watching this interview with Brian Fanzo. We both hope that you enjoyed it. You got a ton of value out of the conversation. If you did, make sure to subscribe to the channel so that you know when the next expert graces the experience creators stage. And if you would like to join the experience creators community, the sign up link is in the description box below. Thank you so much once again. And just remember that one great experience can change someone's world.